Our Father, we thank you this morning for the gift of your word. And I thank you for being a vessel for the dissemination of your word this morning. You are not a random God. You have a purpose for everything that you do and for every situation that you allow. This may seem like an ordinary exercise, but we all know that you use the ordinary to accomplish the extraordinary. I pray this morning that your word that will come forth will accomplish the extraordinary in the lives of your children. I pray that your word will touch lives and situations this morning. And at the end of the day, your name only shall be glorified. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. Um, shall we remain standing for the reading of the word? The text for our message today shall be taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 18, verses 13 and 14. I'll read Genesis 18, verses 13 and 14. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Let's be seated. Um, the theme of my short exhortation this morning is the challenging question that God asked Abraham in Genesis chapter 18 verse 14b God asked Abraham is anything too hard for the Lord is anything too hard for the Lord we all know who Abraham is the Bible in the book of Romans let us know that he's the father of every one of us that have faith. He's a faithful man. Even God himself had acknowledged that. He acknowledged that he's a great believer. But then, God asked him this question. God asked him this question when he perceived serious doubt in the mind of not only Abraham, who was then Abraham, but also Sarah himself, concerning a great promise that he made to them, which is that they were going to have a son, a son that will come directly from their old, from their combined loins, even as they are old. Abraham was a little bit doubtful about this, even though he had accomplished a lot of things with God by faith. But this one he could not understand and he doubted a little bit. And God had to probe this question. God asked this question not to solicit a direct answer from Abraham, but to cause him to introspect. He wanted him, he wanted to rejig Abraham's faith. 
he wanted to challenge his faith and jolt his faith back to life because he knew that without faith Abraham and Sarah were not going to be able to receive the fruit of the promise that he had made to them that is the spiritual law without faith we cannot receive anything from God so God asked Abraham this question so as to jolt his faith back to life and um, we all know that Abraham was a pagan when God called him he was a faithful man everything that God told him despite the fact that he did not know the Lord before the appearance of the God to him he believed everything that God said to him he obeyed every commandment that God gave to him he obeyed every instruction that God gave him now God made so many promises to Abraham he promised he was going to be the father of a great nation through him through his descendants the entire family of the world shall be reconciled back to God but the most important promise that God made to Abraham was to give him a son Abraham was 75 years old at that time his wife Sarah was 65 years old they have been married for 40, 47, 48 years and um, Abraham despite this believed God and for so many years thereafter God kept repeating this promise to Abraham year in year out year in year out and I'm sure Abraham too became excited by the promise of God he became anxious for the fulfillment of the promise but as the year passes he grew anxious he wanted it to happen wanted it to happen then in the book of Genesis chapter 15 the Bible tells us that just as he used to do God appeared in his word to Abraham again he was there just to fellowship with him just as usual um, Genesis chapter 15 verse 1 and um, the word of God came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid. Abraham, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. And um, instead of Abraham to answer God back in the same kind, in the way of his greeting, you could see the anxiety in Abraham. God also must have sensed it. That's why I said, Abraham, do not be afraid. He was trying to encourage him. For the first time in the relationship of God and Abraham, Abraham had to make a direct request from God. He decided to prod. He wanted to know how God would fulfill this plan. Because before this, before this time, God had never revealed the details of the plan. He had never revealed it to Abraham. So, he said, God, what are you going to give me? Seeing that I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus who is someone that I adopted a child born in my house why was he asking God what you are going to give me when God already told him I'm going to give you a son doubt had started playing in the mind of Sarah uh, in the mind of Abraham and I believe that was because of the long waiting this happened to all of us when God promises us and it's been lingering a little bit we start doubting, we start questioning. 
anyway. God help our faith in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Now, to calm Abraham down, God had to reveal a little bit of the details of his plan to him. He said, okay, Eliezer is not going to be the heir of your body. It will be someone that will come from your body, a child that you birth by yourself. So, he took Abraham out, shows him the stars in the, in the, stars in the heavens, and said, as many stars as you see, so shall your descendants be. It was easy for Abraham to believe this because it is, logic, it is logical. Abraham may be 85 years old at the time this interaction was happening, but it was easy for an, it's not too difficult for an 85-year-old man to bear a child. And the Bible says, Abraham believed, and God was excited about his belief, and God accounted his belief to him for righteousness, he called him a righteous man. So Abraham and God continued in their, in, 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 in their, in their, in their relationship. And now Abraham knows that, okay, the plan of God is for me to have the child by myself. He thought, you know, he had the knowledge now. He must have discussed it with his wife. And they, all said, they both set out a plan to help God with his plan. And the issue of Hagar came in. Sarah encouraged Abraham to go in with Hagar. And they had Ishmael. They were trying to help God. When we try to help God, we create chaos. And that is exactly the same chaos that the birth of Ishmael caused. And um, God had to deal with that for the next couple of years. And the Bible says that after about 14 years, when Abraham was 99 years old, God showed up to him again. And you can see that was the longest interval between in the interaction of God and Abraham. Because God, Abraham had created a mess that God had over time to tidy up. Now, God came again. He said, Abraham, I am still going to give you this son. Now, Abraham, God had for the, for the first time told Abraham that the son will not be Ishmael that you erroneously had. It is going to be one that you and Sarah will birth together. When God was talking to Abraham about his own part, because God had to come, he, probably, he, he, he spoke to Abraham about how he's going to have this descendant, changed his name from Abraham to Abraham, and said, you'll be the father of many nations, you're through your descendants, the whole world. Abraham believed. It was easy for a 99-year-old to have a man to have a child, even though difficult, but it's not totally illogical. But when God to the part of Sarah, say, now Sarah, Sarah will not be Sarah. She will be the mother of all these nations. And she was going to have this child. That will be the first time that God will tell Abraham that the child was going to be born by Sarah. Abraham lost it. He could not fathom what God was talking about. It was beyond his comprehension. It was illogical. We all knew the cycle of women. Abraham in his mind was like, how can an 85-year-old woman give birth? The Bible tells us that Abraham laid on his face and laughed. That was the first time he showed a manifest act of doubt believed that God could witness. He laughed and he said in his heart, 
how can this happen? But God did not pay him any mind. God only affirmed his word. Sarah was going to have a child and God moved on. Now a few months after, I mean not long thereafter, when God came back, Abraham was still 99 years old and then and, and uh, Sarai was 89 years old. This time around, it was obvious that God came for Sarah because that was the first time that God would ask for the whereabouts of Sarah. That was the first time that God, when having a communion with Abraham, would really care what Sarah was doing. When he came, God showed up. Um, Abraham was outside his tent by the door. It was a very hot day. And I was just taking in the breeze, and God came, he showed up with uh, two of his angels. The first question God asked him was, Where is Sarah? And um, Abraham said he was in, she, was, she was inside. And um, after the initial nicety, Sarah was at the back of the door listening to what God and Abraham were saying. And um, God just dropped it again. That by this time next year, when I'm passing by, Sarah shall have a child. And Sarah had this. She could not understand it too. Her faith could not take it. And the Bible says, Sarah laughed in his heart and said to herself, Is it now that I'm an old man that I'm going to have pleasure? Now that my husband is even old. So she could not understand it. Her faith could not hold it. Now God decided at this point there was a problem. Because God himself had a huge stake in the fulfillment of this promise. After the events of the Tower of Babel, the relationship between God and mankind had broken down totally. There was no communication. God now had had this plan to raise a new generation of special people to himself, through whom the rest of the world would be reconciled back to him. And Abraham and, uh, and Sarah were central figures in the plan, the plan of God. God was concerned that with this doubt in the mind of these people, with this lack of faithfulness, this plan was going to be disrupted. Because without their faith high up there, they would never receive the promise that God had made to them. So, God popped the question, is, he, is anything too hard for me to do? He did not ask them so that he can answer. He only asked Abraham so that he could think back to the things that God had done for him. Abraham was just an ordinary man at the back of nowhere in earth. When called him and told him to go to Canaan, now he left from earth and God gave him only one man, the entire land of Canaan, where there were previously occupants. That was what God had done to him before. God was saying, think back to what I've done for you. You were a vagabond, a nobody, that at the age of 75 years old was, was still following your father up and down. And now you are a great man. Within how many years, you have all these servants, all this army that were able to even defeat four kings at the same time and save your brother Lord. That was what God did. And Abraham had to introspect and his faith was built back and they were able to receive the promise of God. And that is what I've come to do this morning, to ask us as a church, 
is anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything that we want that God cannot do for us? Is there any situation in our lives that we do not want to be there that God cannot take away? Is there a prayer that God cannot answer? Is there any situation that we have faced that tend that seek to exalt itself beyond the knowledge of God that God cannot remove? The answer is very obvious. And I do not require any verbal answer from anybody, just as God did not require any answer from Abraham and Sarah. The answer is that there's nothing too hard for God to do. Nothing is too hard for God to do for us. But as we answer in this manner, I want to ask if the way we live our lives actually reflects this answer. The way we react to the issues of life, do they really reflect this answer? Do we truly believe that there's nothing that God cannot do for us? If we do, if we do then we should expect all our prayers to be answered. There's nothing that God cannot do. It's even more important in this time and season that we're living where there's a lot of discouragement in the body of Christ. A lot of children of God are despondent. There's a lot of doubt flowing through the air in the body of Christ. And um, these tend to chip into the faith that we have to, for God and our ability to receive answers to our prayer and our ability to access the blessing of God. I mean, there are so many reasons why the children of God are doubtful these days. I mean, the economy of the nation is haywire. There are all, there are a great deal of alternative gospel out there that people are listening to that is messing with the head and the faith of the children of God. It is time for us to rejig our faith and try to understand that there's nothing that God cannot do and build our faith just as God will require us to do. Now, thank you. Um, one of the obvious signs of lack of faith in the body of Christ today, like I said, is discouragement. Discouragement is a very potent tool that Satan used to decimate the body of Christ. He makes you to hear things that you should not hear, makes the Christian to focus on things even in the church that you should not focus on. I mean, a lot of Christians will focus on the negative rather than the positive, and that challenges or kills their faith. And and that challenges and kills their faith. What discouragement does for us, it causes our service to God to be lukewarm, just as our faith gets lukewarm. Lukewarm means it is neither here, it's neither hot nor cold. And when we look around the church these days, we see that the Lord God, God's children are neither hot nor cold. Everybody or most people seem to be lukewarm. And that's why there's a great deal of prayer sessions going on, a lot of vigils going on, a lot of intercessions, a lot of fasting and prayer going on, and there seems to be nothing, it seems like nothing is changing. And um, that, is the, that is the sign of being lukewarm. That is the sign of lack of faith. And um, 
in the book of, um, I believe, Revelation chapter 3 verse 16. Um, the Lord was talking to John about the lukewarm church, the church of Laodicea. And uh, what he said was that, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. And that is how it is. When our service to God is lukewarm, when we are neither hot nor cold, I mean, God does not know what to do with our service. He does not know what to do with our prayer. I mean, that is when we pray and there seem not to be answer at individual level and at corporate level. My prayer to us today is that God will grant us the grace so that we will be vigilant in keeping our faith. He will strengthen our faith so he will not have the reason to vomit us out of his mouth. He will not have the reason to reject our prayers or cast out or cast us out. Another thing that discouragement causes in the body of Christ is it causes delay, not only in our individual lives, even in um, within the congregation. We pray, and because God is not very pleased with uh, the level of our faith, He said, "Without faith, it is impossible to please God." If we are lukewarm and our faith is compromised, we are not likely to please God. So. Um, I am going to commend all of us this morning as the body of Christ to ensure that we shun discouragement. Ask ourselves each and every time that we approach the throne of grace if actually we have sufficient faith to accomplish the things that we are going to ask from God. And if not, let us recharge our faith. It happened when the children of Israel were coming from Egypt, when they were released from Egypt. It was supposed to be a journey for 40 days. It turned out to be 40 years. It was because of discouragement. Discouragement which leads to grumbling, which is very evident in the church today. A lot of people grumble. They see the fault in others. They see the, what God is not doing in their lives and they grumble and this tend to bring down the level of their faith and their capacity to receive the blessing of God. May the Lord save us from discouragement in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Another thing is being despondent. A lot of Christians are very despondent these days. Despondency and low spirit are the same thing. People's spirits are low and what that causes is that it causes people to approach the worship of God in very lackadaisical manner. Wow. In, in very lackadaisical manner, I pray, Lord, that the Lord will help us so that we will not be despondent in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Um, we do not have a lot of time this morning. We have to cut this short. Um, if God tarries, there may be another opportunity to to continue. Let us just stand up and pray.
Father God Almighty, we've done it all, but there's still room for thanksgiving. We thank you for your word today, and we pray that your word will accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.